The construction industry is not known to be the most sustainable, but new technologies are on the brink of changing that and several actors are working hard to bring about a construction industry that's transparent, efficient, circular and low carbon. Welcome to Renewable Future from the Renewable Materials Company, Stora Ensum. The United Nations says that the building sector accounts for 39% of the world's energy-related emissions. That's split into 28% for energy use during the operational life of a building, but carbon emissions are released during manufacturing, transportation, construction and during the end-of-life phases also. These emissions commonly known as embodied carbon, have been largely overlooked historically, but they contribute to around 11% of all global emissions. So the building materials are really important. How can we build then in a more sustainable way, in a more circular way, eliminating waste and reusing and recycling materials as much as possible? That's the crux of this episode. One key issue to address then is, are investors, building contractors and even consumers really interested? Our first interviewee is sceptical. So my name is Ken Dooley. Um, I'm a technology director at Granlund in Helsinki. Granlund is a company working with innovation and development within the construction and real estate sector. Dooley wishes he wasn't sceptical, but having spent several years running a sustainability team within this sector and trying to convince key stakeholders to invest in a more sustainable option, he knows it's a difficult task. I think we're seeing kind of user experience and maybe make my life easier as being the biggest driver of of all things happening at the moment. So we see things like save me time, uh, give me lots of choice of the things I encounter on a daily basis, um, make whatever it is super, super easy to use. And then after that, there's extra kind of benefits by something that that helps me to be healthier and maybe helps me to be um, more sustainable or, or helps me to be safer. It's often a matter of visibility. So if you're buying an apartment building, then what are the things that are attracting you there? You know, there's old tropes like it's always been location driven. But if an apartment building has an extra couple of percentage of their budget to do something special, um, are they putting solar panels on the roof? Are they using building uh, materials that have a a low embodied kind of carbon emissions? Um, Are they putting in services such as um, share cars, electric share cars or or bikes or, or something like that? When it comes to the investment of somebody building an office building or somebody building an apartment building, the visibility and the interaction that the people in that building, um, the, the things they touch upon, the things they see, are kind of where the extra money is going. So if I'm devil's advocate to you, though, I mean, if I'm, si- I'm in the, in, sitting in the Nordic region and I'm seeing that people really want to do the right thing yes. from an environmental perspective. Uh, no one wants to use a plastic bag anymore because they've heard a lot about it. Uh, and, and, and they also now will be thinking about how many emissions, much emissions is coming from my car. Yes. I'd rather have an electric yeah. car. It's the same thing. It's the same car. It's going to take me from A to B, but I want one that's electric because it's better for the environment. The same thing surely is applying when it comes to how I'm living yeah, and where I, I'm I, living. I, I, I totally agree. Yeah, and, and, and it's important. But, but, but I think with the limited amount of investment that the built environment stakeholders have for new um, and the kind of changing expectations all the time, I think it is sometimes um, something like um, heating or lighting or, you know, 
security or or the the low embodied emissions of a, uh, materials in, in a building, um, I think they're kind of taken so for granted or they're so far away from the discourse um, that um, people want to invest in things that are much more you know experiential um, or you know low embodied emissions in a building are competing with art. There's a lot of things. That, that, that these these technologies or these solutions are competing with and it's only a very small pocket of money so you can only do so many of them as, as let's say building materials. So what do you think the construction industry should be doing I guess to raise awareness or to raise interest or, or can they do anything then in, in, in your opinion? It might even be that something like this um, is so in the, you know, literally in the fabric of the building and, and, and not something that, that you kind of interact with, that it might be something that needs to be, needs to be taken uh, through legislation or else it's just a, it's just a cost-benefit analysis um, that, that we mightn't be able to talk about these solutions as being um, a little bit more expensive but greener. We might just have to make them through kind of circular economy means, but through recycling of materials and through reducing the costs of of excavating and and processing materials. That we that these kind of products, because they're so back of house or so away from the interaction, that they just need to compete. Um, and if they can get to the same price or very very close to the same price as a traditional material, um, then they are the winners. I I really want this to be moved up on the let's say the shopping list the things that people say let's invest in these things um but i really haven't fr- from a global perspective seen where it works um in, in in my career so far but things might be changing because well not everyone agrees with Dooley at least when it comes to investors. Over at Stora Enso, the director of R&D for wood construction, Matt Linegar, is seeing something new happening. I think actually the investors are the ones that are most interested. So if you look at um, you know, an occupier of an office building, for example, a tenant, you know, they're normally relatively short term. But the investor is the one that's actually going to own that building for the, the whole of its life. You know, that could be 50 years or more. So whilst the team that may procure that building might not be the team that's responsible for finding the second use of it as a business you know, or as an investment business, they're creating themselves their own legacy. So they have to be more and more aware and interested in the materials that they're using to construct the buildings, not only to ensure that they have the flexibility to adapt to our changing needs in time, but at the end of the life, we have a building that, that in some way can be reused or recycled very easily with low impact on the environment. Are you seeing? Are you getting demands, or, or do you do you see this at Store Enso that more demands are coming now from investors to to, to build in this way? Yeah, absolutely. So in, investors are really um, really becoming very excited about buildings constructed from massive wood, and, and that's for a number of reasons. Really, there's the the short term reason that um, they're able to provide something that's different in the marketplace for for a tenant. So particularly sort of blue chip companies are very interested in taking on tenancies in in buildings that are that are made of massive wood for in commercial office space, for example. And that might be because it's aligned to, to their own sustainability visions or increasingly what we're also seeing is the positive health and well-being impact of, of living or working in a wooden building. So that's a real positive win for investors because they're more likely to secure a blue chip tenant quite quickly and they're more likely to get that tenant into the building for a longer period of time. So that's the sort of real short-term benefit for investors. They're also then seeing that the benefit of having a portfolio that that um, has a higher sustainability credential will lead to more investment in their business. 
So it's, a, it's certainly for investors at the moment, we're seeing a, a level of interest in wood buildings that we've not seen in the past. So blue chip companies, those well-established, financially sound, high quality companies are interested in having offices in wooden buildings like this. So there is a short term immediate gain for an investor. But both Dooley and Lineker still recognise that the cost argument is important. As Ken Dooley mentioned, the big drivers are not sustainability, but rather, how can this make my life more convenient? Is it super easy to use? And then on top of that, it would be good if it was more sustainable also. So how can you make a building that costs the same, but is more sustainable? How do we achieve that? It just build better. Uh, but what does that mean? That's Ursula Hartenberger, Global Head of Sustainability at RICS, the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors, a professional body working with qualifications and standards in land, property, infrastructure and construction. I think for to be able to build better, you need to have a better information base and you need to understand what actually this better amounts to. Unfortunately, unlike other sectors, parts of the construction and real estate sector are still operating in a rather opaque and antiquated way. Information about buildings and their impact is often very challenging to come by uh, for key actors. If we want to gain traction on fighting climate change and achieving greater circularity, we need to make sure that key stakeholders such as investors, but also homeowners, are fully aware of the environmental impact and risk of their investment. For that, you need information. If you don't really have any any information about uh, the planning and design and construction phase, if you don't know what materials went into the building, um, how are you actually going to plan for recyclability, uh, for adaptability and flexibility at a later stage? And it also makes the management of the buildings much more difficult. Matt Linegar at Stora Enso agrees. For him, he sees that the entire construction sector needs to become a lot more efficient and more and better data will be at the heart of it. Technology and digitalisation is the only way the construction industry is going to transform itself. And it's one of the worst performing industries from a productivity point of view that exists. It's over 1.7 times more inefficient than, than the manufacturing industry, for example. And it's only technology that's going to release that inefficiency. So as the construction industry becomes more efficient, then that will lower the cost of construction. And how I believe it will be in the future is that that massive wood will be able to offer a considerably competitive product to traditional materials because of its lightweight nature, its sustainability credentials, and it lends itself very nicely to to manufacturing and prefabrication off-site. All of that's going to lower the cost of construction and therefore buildings made from mass timber can become more affordable and actually the sustainability then comes for free. And that's a vision that I would very much like to see in my career. And guess what? Things are becoming more efficient and digital tools are helping. One of these is BIM, Building Information Model. This is used a lot in the design phase. And really it's a a set of guidelines to um, establish parameters within a 3D model to allow that model to have enhanced capabilities uh, and be shared between different um, designers. So to create a building, there are many designers involved, um, architects, engineers, uh, cost planners and constructors and manufacturers. And the BIM model is a way of bringing all of the data produced by those different parties in the process into a single modeling environment. Whereas in the past, um, even when we were using 3D models, the end result for the construction team on site was a printed drawing By using BIM and having all of the data and the design incorporated in one space, we're able to make the building more efficient uh, and design it for its purpose better. And 
that quality of information, the design process can flow through the manufacturing um, and into the actual products themselves if we make these products smart uh, and on site. Uh, and, and that may be in a very passive way in that they just contain data and information about the product itself, or they could be active. So they could be giving live information about the performance or the quality of that product at a point in time. For example, what's the temperature or moisture content or even humidity in the space around it, as an example. And that can really help the um, operation and the maintenance of the building during its life cycle and make sure that that material, that smart building product is still in optimum condition at the end of building life. And therefore it can have some value and it can be reused or recycled in some way. So just to clarify then, a product could then be like a piece of laminated veneer lumber, LVL or CLT, cross laminated timber. And then in 50 years time, well, you know what kind of condition that's in and you can then reuse it for another building because this one's no longer in use. That's right. Yeah. So our wooden building products that we manufacture in Storenzo, um, the, you know, particularly our engineered wood products like CLT and LVL, we are looking at how can we make those building products smart. So incorporating sensor technology that's actually able to tell us the condition of those um, products. And that means that in the future, let's say 50 years time when the building may be at end of life, we're able to assess the value of that product or provide some assurance in terms of its performance if we want to reuse it. Without that, at the moment, what we see is a lot of materials, and not just timber, but a lot of materials are just going to landfill because there's no way to really understand the quality of that material. And the original manufacturer is not in a position to provide any warranty over it. When all this information is gathered and when everyone uses BIM, then we can really reduce costs and make a building more circular. This is the kind of thing Ursula Hartenberger was talking about, gathering good data on a building to make things more transparent. But Hartenberger wants to see much more. She's been looking at a wider concept, a building passport concept. At the moment, in parts of the industry, we're still working with hard copy information. Obviously, this gets more easily lost post-construction and is rarely updated. And once it's gone, it's gone. And to recreate this information is either impossible or very costly. And also, this is usually information that is very one-dimensionally focused. So physical building characteristics, say, like materials, the environmental performance and the financial performance. So if you have that all in one place, it's much easier than to draw the conclusions in terms of the sustainability performance of that building. So, and this is where the building passport idea comes into play. You may ask why I call it a passport. Well, you could have christened it a building logbook or a building file. But I actually like the term building passport as the idea is that it, the passport contains all the relevant information about a building in a digitized format. So basically for the whole lifespan of the building. One building passport project that's happening now is in Flanders in Belgium. Hartenberger has been taking a look. It's a good example of how this information can be actually organised. So the warning pass at the moment lists information about inspections, certificates and permits, data from the energy performance certificates. And it makes it much easier to find out uh, for the homeowner, for example, how energy efficient his or her home is. So it's very simple. The homeowner only have to has to register on a site. So if I'm an investor or a homeowner, I need to sign up and and apply for this building passport, and then I own the data. Why would I want to have a passport as a, as a homeowner or, because, or an investor? Yeah, uh, because the information actually has a value in itself. Say you're an investor and you have a, a well-documented building. We've seen now evidence that these buildings, they sell much quicker or they get better. 
occupiers. If you're trying to sell, even as a homeowner, you're trying to sell your house and you have a well-documented history of, say, investments that you've made over the years, I mean, clearly that will make it much easier for prospective buyers to assess the quality of your home. And I think this is where we need to get to. Hartenberger adds that this kind of data that's being gathered right now, well, that's just the start of it. And we already have something called EPCs that's mandatory when you sell a building. This includes an energy efficient rating from A to G. So that's already in place. Well, take that a step further. Imagine you knew what the CO2 emissions were of your home, just like you do when you look at the specs of a car or when you see the labelling on kitchen appliances. You know, the idea is to make buildings Paris aligned. And if we want to get there, we need to not only reduce that CO2, we also need to signal it. We, you know, we have that signalling function now with EPCs. So this is all about energy efficiency. But, you know, We're not very far away, I think, from CO2 labelling. I mean, you know, at least with uh, new construction, that is much easier. With uh, existing buildings, but also residential buildings, this might be much more challenging and will not happen uh, overnight. But I think this is definitely a way that I could see the sector going. Ken Dooley, our reluctant sceptic, really likes this kind of concept of a building passport. Yeah, and I think those kind of things really help because they they put an easy to understand kind of message to to, to consumers. And essentially, um, if there's investments in being made, if it's a shopping centre, it's to the visitors. If it's to an office building, it's to the staff. If it's in an apartment building, it's it's to the residents. So we need to kind of communicate the value. Um, so something like a building passport or something that's really easy to communicate, then those things make this so much easier. Consumers then, we don't always have sustainability on top of our agenda when it comes to the home we live in, at least not yet. But more and more investors do, and they're challenging the industry because they're looking for more sustainable alternatives in their portfolio. And the industry is already challenged. It's inefficient, somewhat antiquated. Digitalization might be the answer. New digital tools like BIM and sensors are helping all the way from the design phase right out to the maintenance of a building and even at the end of its life. At the same time, initiatives like the Building Passport are aimed at gathering data throughout a building's lifetime and ensuring transparency in the market. And with better data comes more efficiency and more transparency. And with that, the potential for cost-competitive buildings where sustainability and circularity comes for free. The future of the construction industry may never have been more interesting than now. You've been listening to Renewable Future from the Renewable Materials Company, Store Enso. We'd love to hear your feedback and ideas for new programmes or any comments you may have. Mail to podcast at storeenso.com.